And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call, as today your Indiana Hoosiers fall to Ohio State 78-59 to in Columbus. The loss drops Indiana to 11-9 and on the season, 6-7 and in the Big Ten. And you know, these games against Ohio State have kind of become measuring stick games for IU and Archie Miller. Obviously, he and Chris Holtman hired in the same season. And once again, we failed to measure up. Archie now one and six against Chris Holtman. Obviously, the one victory coming last year, that nice home victory for Indiana. But otherwise, especially in these road games, Ohio State is just really taking it to Indiana. And they did it again today. You know, I don't think there was really anything special that Ohio State did. They were just better at the little things, better at the fundamentals. And I think once again, came into the game with a better game plan than Indiana and executed it better than Indiana. And the result was a 19-point victory that was really never competitive outside of one really, really brief moment in the second half, and we're going to break it all down for you here today. I'm your host, Jared Morris, here with Andy Bottoms and special guest Mark Titus, and let's start this show the way that we start every show, and that is with our banner moment. Not a lot to choose from in this one, obviously, in a game when Indiana falls down big early again, uh, but the one real bright spot for the Hoosiers came in the second half with about 14 minutes, 11 seconds left. Indiana had battled back. They were down by seven, and Christian Lander and Trace Jackson Davis executed a nice side pick and roll. They were really patient. They didn't have the angle they wanted at first, so they waited, got the right angle, executed the pick and roll. Christian made a nice little pass uh, to, to Trace, converted it for a dunk. That made it a five-point game. And you start to think, hey, you know, maybe the Hoosiers have a little bit of life. And it showed the kind of playmaking from Christian Lander that has everybody excited about him. Look, this was not a great game for him. He made mistakes all over the court today. I didn't really think this would be a great game for him. You know, Ohio State's guards are typically so physical and disciplined that he was going to struggle in this game. But you saw some of the flashes, him seeing passing angles and being able to deliver passes that other guys in Indiana just can't make. You know, and as you start looking for how this Indiana team can get better this season and in the future, so much of it revolves around Lander. And that play right there was indicative of the kind of talent that he has. Unfortunately, that was definitely the last high point for Indiana. It was 45-40. Ohio State would then go on a 25-8 to run to take a 70-48 to lead. And the game was basically over. Well, the game was pretty much over earlier on. But they, they shut the door very quick, let's put it that way. Uh, and Indiana was never competitive again. But at least we had that one pass. That's what we have to cling to uh, here today. All right, our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, now in their fourth season of sponsoring the Assembly Call. And, you know, there are frigid temperatures everywhere. Even in Dallas, we're actually going to have snow, I think, for the first time in my young daughter's life feels a little bit like home this weekend here in Dallas, uh, but we've got that. And so it's cold everywhere. You need to go to Home Field Apparel because you need hoodies and you need the crew neck sweatshirts and they have the most comfortable shirts that you will find anywhere. So make sure that you go to homefieldapparel.com. They've got something for everyone, especially IU fans, and everything is printed on the softest, warmest, most comfortable material that you'll find anywhere and it's washable the colors don't fade very much so that's why going to home field apparel is great and plus it's not just iu gear they have apparel for more than 90 different colleges and universities new ones being added all the time they just added a new design for uc irvine that's like this little surfing bear or something they claimed it was their best logo ever the bison hoodie uh, called it once it's title back because clearly as IU fans we think that's the better one but the point is Homefield Apparel always has fun new stuff going on over there you need to go check them out and you can always save on your Homefield order by using the promo code assembly20 at checkout it will give you 20% off your entire order throughout the year go to homefieldapparel.com load up your shopping cart and enter assembly20 at checkout 
to get 20% off. That's homefieldapparel.com. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And we will start... There we go. With the most famous Indiana Ohio State fan on earth, he grew up in Brownsburg, went to college in Columbus, and now hosts the biggest and best college basketball podcast on the planet, Titus and Tate. Mark, what are your opening thoughts? On- Jared, I, my, my, my opening thought has nothing to do with the game. It has to do with you to, to have the, the courage to invite me on uh, when you know what's <laughs> going to happen. Every time Ohio State plays Indiana, you know what's coming. Um, and you still, you still ask me to come on. And I just want to apologize to Indiana fans out of the gate that I think a guy wearing an Ohio State sweater with a big smile on his face is the last thing I think Indiana fans want to see right now. Um, so At yeah, least I everyone was really was really complimentary on Twitter, though, as the game started yeah, right, to go right. the end. I, I do appreciate you giving the bat, the, the, the history of, of I, I, I do not want to see Indiana fail. This is, uh, it, it, uh, this is not what I wanted to see today. I mean, I'm very excited that Ohio State is good, but uh, you know, I want Indiana in the tournament. As you said, I'm, I'm still an Indiana fan. I cheer for Indiana whenever they're not playing Ohio State. And uh, my, my opening statement, I guess, like my big picture thought on this game, uh, I, I follow both of these teams all season. And um, I've had thoughts on them, obviously. And then to see them on the same court at the same time, uh, my, my thoughts were confirmed. And for me, the, the difference in these two teams just basically comes down to confidence. And when Ohio State catches the ball, every single guy on the team is looking to score, is looking to make a play. And Indiana is just – I mean, you said it at the top, Jared, the, the, the little things. Like passes are a little off. Um, guys are, are, aren't aren't 100% sure, is this where I'm supposed to be? Is this is this what the, we're supposed to be doing? Am I supposed to – and it just like – I don't know. It's, it's hard to put your finger on it, but you can just kind of sense it. And Ohio State – like I don't think Ohio State is all that much more talented than Indiana. I really don't. Um, I just think like – uh, I, I don't even think it's an X's and O's thing on game day. I think it's like whatever's going on in practice, Ohio State, like the, the coaches are just saying, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it. All of you shoot it. Uh, I mean, and 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 Indiana just feels a little um, – I, I know the, the the Archie Miller system is more defensive-minded. I think Chris Holtman's trying to, uh, you know, have a more offensive-minded approach to the game. But um, that's what stands out to me is just like our, our guys and RB and Ohio State, uh, they, they just have a ton of confidence, and they're not afraid to – uh, shoot stupid like Kyle Young had a couple stinkers today where he just was like he pulled from three bricked it I guarantee you the next time Kyle Young shoots the ball he's not even thinking about that and 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 from watching Indiana all year um guys like airball shot it's like it, just a, a, something comes over their face like oh god I can't shoot for three weeks now or your coach is gonna kill me um so that that was my takeaway I mean I don't I don't think there's really much sense in and breaking down like the game <laughs> on a granular granular level but uh that that that's what stands out to me in watching these two programs right now. Yeah. Well said. All right, Andy, your bottom's line on this disappointing effort in Columbus. I'm definitely on board with Mark's idea to not break down this game. I know you said on a granular level, I'm just fine to not break it down at all. Um <laughs> yeah. but I would say um you know a couple of things. It, it there were just a few moments where I you had a chance to really put some pressure on after you know giving up a 19-0 run in the first half, which is starting to become a little bit customary and you get to the end of the first half and you're within six with the ball. I believe Armand Franklin loses it on a drive. Um, you give up the last four points of the half, you go in down 10 and then there was a play. And, and I know Jay Billis and, and basically every other uh, IU person on Twitter talked about it as a, as a big four point swing, but IU gets a, you know, gets an offensive rebound down seven in the second half race. Thompson misses a point blank layup and then Ohio state rips off a few points from there and gets it back up to 14. And then it's, it, it was never, in in contention at any point during there 
And I think you come back to a lot of the same points with IU around consistency and what you're going to get from guys in game in and game out. And while the guards really stepped up big against Northwestern, today the only guys that had more than seven points for IU were uh, TJD, Race Thompson, and Jerome Hunter. And guards were were in large part a no-show um, between them. And you, you just didn't get contributions from outside of Jerome Hunter. You didn't get contributions from guys off the bench. And then for a team that really wants to fall back on its defense – IU got two straight stops once in the second half through the first probably 18 and a half or 19 minutes. And, you know, Ohio State was just rolling at that point. The only time IU's defense really played well, they continue to be a team that really gets their confidence defensively from how they're shooting the ball, which for a team that doesn't shoot the ball very well is not exactly a great combination, but they really played their best defensive stretch in the first half when they actually got things rolling on the offensive end. So, um, you know, I, I don't think any IU fans – after the last couple of games probably had high hopes for this game. But I, uh, I think that's also telling in and of itself, just in the, the kind of belief about what, what the consistency is in the game to game, what you're going to get from both the team collectively and guys individually as you, as you go forward. You know, Mark, the unfortunate part here is that most of the fun storylines to talk about for this game are on the Ohio state side. But of course we don't really do that. It'd be fun. You know, yeah. Hey, Ohio state final four potential number one seed. Uh, this is an IU maybe, show. Um, maybe, we yeah, we don't need to do that. That's we'll, all right. We'll, we'll, get into that. We'll, we'll get into that a little later. But I think we need to start. We certainly need to talk about Trace Jackson Davis, and we will. But I think we've got to start with the guards. You know, Andy, you said the guards were no-shows. In some senses, Indiana might have been better if they were no-shows because the guards, the starting guards were almost aggressively bad today with the turnovers, with some of the decisions that they made. You know, Armand Franklin is a guy who's one of the most improved players in the Big Ten and has been lauded on this show time after time because he's a go-to guy and he stepped up in big moments. This today's game looked like freshman Armand Franklin. I mean, he was just he was making bad decisions. You know, he was playing hard, he was hustling, but he just he wasn't effective. You know, only got only took four shots, made one of them, had four turnovers and four fouls. You know, Al Durham turned the ball over three times. Uh, Christian Lander turned the ball over four times despite, you know, you know, doing some nice things. And, and Rob Finnessy made a couple shots late, but otherwise was a non-factor. And Mark, we've talked so often about how, you know, you got to have guards to win. We're not breaking news here. You got to have guards to win in college basketball. And Ohio State's guards were just better, you know, and, and Indiana's guards have played better in games against Iowa where they don't play much defense and you can get comfortable. And in games against Northwestern where the talent level isn't that high. But this is what we've seen anytime Indiana has tried to play like a top 20, top 25 level team is the guards have kind of wilted from the challenge. Now, Armand hasn't usually like he did today. This was, you know, especially bad for him. But it's just hard to compete in these games on the road and get off to good starts when your guards don't give you anything. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. That's that's basically Indiana's Achilles heel all years is the guard play. I mean, Trace Jackson Davis has been awesome, as you guys know, and um that that's never been the, the the issue will always be the guard play and with that I mean I I loved Andy's point about like how shot like it, it it's so, I, I'm I'm doing my best to not sound like a cliched moron with what I'm saying here but how making shots just gives you so much confidence and it puts it puts these guards in a tough spot because. Uh, they, they don't make shots, you know, like they're not great shooters, but uh, it, it, it does feel at times watching Indiana. It's like you, 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 you get a feel early on, like who's going to have it, who's going to, who's going to not have it today. And it's based on basically who's making shots out of the gate. And if they could just get to a point where, you know, like, like Trey Galloway sometimes will, I, 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 I like him a lot. Cause like he, he's a guy who doesn't necessarily have to score. He's, he's like always kind of playing hard and engaged, but he's also limited in a lot of ways. Um, 
but yeah, uh, Armand Franklin's a guy that that's definitely that way. That that for me, it's like if 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 he's if he's hot and he's feeling it tonight, like then he's then he he's more engaged on the defensive end. Then he's looking to 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 set up other teammates in, in various ways and all that sort of thing. And it's it's a really tough spot to like. Because I think Indiana's close. I think I really do. And maybe we could get into a bigger picture discussion, talk mm-hmm. less about this game and like the direction of the program and, and all that kind of stuff. I think Indiana is 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 close, but the problem is that uh what's going to fuel that is you know, like like you're gonna have to start making these shots to then get the confidence to play deep. But but Indiana can be a great defensive team. They have a lot of great pieces, and it's just like it, this is one of the more frustrating Indiana teams I've I've seen in, in in recent memory. And it's not because like the frustration from past teams has been sometimes their chemistry, sometimes like Devontae Graham is shooting hook shots from half court, or, or Devontae I'm sorry, Devontae Green. Uh, there there's like cr- crazy stuff like this. Like that's not what's frustrating about this team. What's frustrating is that I think there's a good team in there somewhere. And it's just like if you guys could just pull it out, like I swear to God, you guys could be good. And it's just like they don't want to, they don't want to string it together. They won two in a row, so they were like, "All right, that means we get to play poorly today." That's how this works. And then maybe next game we'll play well, we'll we'll, we'll string a couple wins together, and then we'll lay a third again because that's what we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think with with Armand, I mean, the only shot he made was on one of the first couple possessions of the game, and IU really came out. It was a little bit opposite, and I give Ohio State some credit for this, just with their defense on the perimeter. You know, we'd seen and we had a question on the, the show on Thursday around trying to seem to really try to force feed Trey Jackson Davis early in the game. And that sometimes leads to him missing shots that, you know, that kind of led to part of the poor start against Northwestern. Well, in this game, IU shot a ton of threes at the beginning of the game, had a couple go down and you you wondered if that might open things up a little bit, give guys confidence. And it, it seemed to do the opposite, unfortunately. But it was just it, it, it continues to be the same thing with the guards. There, there's too many possessions where it's so slow to get into running anything, the general pace at which things move. And, and part of that is, you know, I think, I think Mark's point about Ohio state having five guys on the floor who are comfortable shooting, who are going to be aggressive. Their offense just looks a lot more crisp in the way that they cut and just in the general pace of it. And IU spends half the shot clock just trying to get into something. And then at the end, you don't really have anybody who can break guys down off the dribble and get you a shot late in the shot clock. And it's not a situation that IU needs to get in repeatedly and and things just kind of snowball from there and i you missed you know trace missed a couple once they did get him the ball early he missed a couple in right by the basket they ran a nice screen from durham got him wide open right at the right at the rim and and missed it and then it just kind of snowballs for everybody it it feels like and um i I do think what mark said with just from a confidence standpoint that's we've talked about that a lot with this team like just have a lot of guys who don't look confident to shoot don't look confident handling the ball don't really want to push the issue with the kinds of passes they're going to make and Lander did some of that today and you know made some made some bad turnovers but you know there was one where I think in some ways depending on which guards in the game Lander is the one who's really going to look for the roll man off that high ball screen and Trace it was like he almost forgot one of them he just didn't move and Lander passed to where he would be had he had he cut to the basket but I think a lot of times when Finnessy's out there he's not looking for that um, and you just have like polar opposite guys playing the point guard position and somewhere in the middle of them is probably where you want to be. Um, but it was, everything was a struggle and that made everything a struggle offensively to get into anything. Yeah. You know, and Mark, to your point, I, I do want to have a bigger picture conversation with you about uh, Archie and Indiana's tenure. For those who don't know, you know, you, when you were at Ohio state, Archie was there, you know, so you, mm-hmm. you, you played for Archie, you know, got to know him up close and we will talk about that in a little bit. The one other player that I want to talk about from this game is Trace Jackson Davis. 
who from a number standpoint, it looks great. 23 points, 10 for 14, you know, 10 rebounds, you know, didn't have any blocks, you know, defensively, I think struggled, um, but certainly put up his points. And yet I came away from this game and maybe it's unfair because he has such a heavy burden, but I came away from this game wanting more from him because mm-hmm. he was so non-existent at the start of the game. And we've seen this trend from Indiana of late where they st- they don't just start out bad. Like they dig huge holes for themselves, you know, for a team that's limited offensively and doesn't shoot a lot of threes. <laughs> I mean, you know, that, that's just a horrible recipe and a coach who doesn't change the lineup. So, you know, something's going to have to happen from the starters. And it feels like Trace likes to ease his way into games. And we just don't have that luxury, you know, and he was yeah. not you know, he wasn't making quick moves. He wasn't being very aggressive. Then in the second half, you see him chasing down offensive rebounds. He's going up tough. He's flexing. He's doing all this stuff, which is fine. But you need that from him at the start of game. So, you know, kind of from a player perspective, like what's a fair expectation for him as a sophomore? Because it's not that he was terrible today. Yeah. But he, he picked and chose his spots at bad times, it felt like. I know what you mean. It, it, it's a tough spot because, like, he's the one guy that obviously carries the team, and he does have a big burden, like you said. So, like, the, the idea of of trying to pin anything on him at this point in the season seems a little weird. Um, but I'm with you. Like, when when they said his stats at the end, of, towards the end of the game, like, I, I I forget what the play was, and then uh, I remember Schulman kind of made a point, like, yeah, and Tracy Jackson Davis is probably not going to get the W today for Indiana, but he's he's having a heck of a game, 23 and nine. I was like, what? Yeah. what? He's got 23 points. Uh, like, I would have guessed he had. 11 or something um just because so much of it as you said like sort of came when the game was out of reach um yeah but i i for me it was i mean the rebounding was was kind of the uh and i guess you don't pin it all on him but like when when you when you are the guy down low for for indiana and and um you know for for zed key for, as an ohio state fan like i came away from this game just like licking my lips about four years of, of watching zed key just dominate the boards because he was unbelievable for ohio state today he had five offensive rebounds i think um and and he he, he was killing and and I, I i don't know like it, as an indiana fan i would have been frustrated watching that like obviously i wasn't frustrated because i was cheering for ohio state but i would have been like who is this kid zed key that's just grabbing every offensive rebound he's grabbing his own offensive rebounds throwing up baby hooks um yeah i i think uh i don't know i i i i I agree with you though jared like like trace was 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 technically good um but yeah it it would be nice to have i I mean indiana's reached a point where they're going to need something at the start of every single game that's like all right if if the guards are going to throw it all over the gym if they're not going to be able to to generate something i'm going to be the guy and he is the guy he ends up being the guy by the time the buzzer the final buzzer sounds but uh I, i think that's that's what this team needs right now is the the the, the game the ball is tipped and and Trace Jackson Davis is like you know I'm I'm going to take over this game I'm going to impose my will from the start um and he doesn't always do that but at the same time the kid at 23 and 9 and was one of the lone bright spots so yeah it does feel a little strange to um yeah pin it on him but that's not really what we're doing though no it's it's yeah it's funny just looking at some of the post game I'm sure Archie's apparently based on the the tone of some of these getting a lot of questions about the slow starts and mm-hmm. even talked about Jackson Davis said he gets a little bit nervous when the game starts it takes him a little while to get settled in he knows he's a slow starter he gets better as the game goes along so that's kind of that, a to, to the bigger I mean that matches what you see but this is this is how I feel about Indiana as a whole is like the guys not not necessarily nervous but they. To a man, it feels like all of them are like, we're going to feel this out. And it, it, even even when they play well out of the gate, it's almost like – it, it, it's hard to put your finger on it, but like it just it's so – like Ohio State is like attack, attack, attack. I was in Asheville for the for the uh, 
uh, the, the Indiana's whole run there at the quote unquote Maui Invitational. Mm-hmm. And um, watching the Texas game was was another like just juxtaposition of like, oh my God, these guards are here to 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 take your lunch money. They're here to the, the Texas guards. I mean, like they're they are here to punk it. They they punked Indiana from the start and. That that has continued throughout the season for, from my perspective is is just like this idea of like let's feel it out let's get a sense of where the game and you can't afford to do that in the Big Ten the the you have forty minutes you have to play let's go and I know it's worked out for Indiana uh, certainly they came back and beat Northwestern obviously and and they they found ways to pull out W's but man that is that is not a way to to make a living in the Big Ten of like let's just feel it out let's just take these first ten minutes and get a feel of what the vibe's going to be of the game it's like that's that's not how this works boys that's yeah not how we're yeah doing. they're just they're so rarely the aggressor really in yeah. any part and the yeah. way they run offense doesn't make them the aggressor and and I think to your point they're trying to feel them out and like see if they can absorb the blow and yeah. then bounce back but against a really good team like Ohio State they're not going to give you that that room back to absorb that blow and then come back versus Iowa. Yeah, you can, and and Northwestern to a certain extent, you you can as well. But yeah, you just, it, I think feeling out the game seems that's a really good way to put it. I, I would say, yeah. it, but even in those games, you know, against Iowa without Frederick and a bad Northwestern team, you're still on the razor's edge. You know, it's not like they're mm-hmm. winning those games oh, yeah. by fifteen yeah. or twenty. So I guess you know, my last question on this topic for you, Mark, is what do you do now if you're Archie Miller? Because uh, you know, fans have long been frustrated by his stubbornness with the starting lineup. And I realize, you know, there can be benefits to that where guys understand their roles. You're rewarding seniors who have been around. You're giving them the benefit of the doubt. And yet we kind of watch the games with our own eyes, see the same stuff you're talking about. And it's like, there's a freshman point guard. I don't know if he's mentally or emotionally ready to be the starter, but he attacks. Like, he's not Mm -hmm. afraid. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. that was kind of the whole thing the first half of the season. You got to kind of pull him back a little bit. So do you start him and come out of the gates with a more attacking mentality? Because this isn't working. Like, what what would you do to try to mix that up? I mean, I would get in a time machine and go back to the start of the season and and do this sort of stuff. Is like like that was what that was how I felt when I was in Asheville. I was like, man, I especially after watching that Texas game, uh, when just right out. I mean, you guys, all everyone watching remembers it was just like because Indiana played pretty well against Providence. You're like, oh my god, this might be like Grace Thompson had an unbelievable game. You're like this Indiana might be okay, and then Texas is like, nope, shut up, sit down. <laughs> um, and I remember after that game thinking, all right, so now you're playing Stanford, uh, and Stanford it. Stanford was like in a, in a state of disarray. They hadn't really practiced much because of all the, the coronavirus stuff going on and the forest fires out here in Cal. There's, there's a, Stanford was sort of a slow start to their – I knew IU was going to beat Stanford going to that game is what I'm saying. And I remember watching that game thinking, like, if I'm Archie, I just tell all these guys, all the guards, just shoot it. Just, just like almost play – channel your Devontae Green energy and just like – just everyone run up and down the floor. Like get it out of your system. If we lose, we lose. Who cares? Like I need to, to figure out who's going to be aggressive, who's going to score, all that. But now, I mean, you're on the bubble. You're trying – like now's not the time to shake things up, I don't think. And I enter- that's not what Indiana fans want to hear. But it's like, man, you're on – if you roll the dice and you're like, all right, Christian Lander, I'm going to turn you loose. That's that's tough because like if it, it – he kind of knows what he has and what he has is not awesome – but every so often, like it, like a game at Iowa, it sort of comes out, and you're like, "That could be it. That could be, that could be what we have here." Um, so I don't know. I, I, if I'm coaching, I kind of like don't mess with a lot of stuff because I don't really think this is the time. I, I think if you're firmly in the tournament, maybe you could like tweak some stuff. If you're, you know, if you're very much out and you're like, "We gotta, we gotta swing for the fences here and try something to shake things up here down the stretch," um, but I don't, I don't know. I, th- I think like. What, what do you got coming up? Minnesota, Michigan State. Like those are those are winnable games. Rutgers, Home against Minnesota, fortunately. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Minnesota <laughs> sucks away from home. So, um, I, I, I Indiana fans don't want to hear it, but I sort of think you just kind of stay the course, and um, I think I think Indiana is going to get in the tournament. I think I think they're they're going to be fine. It's just, boy, this has been a frustrating season. It's been so frustrating because they're so close. God, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, just I, need I better have... play from the guys who are starting. You know, if, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're not going to shake it up. Yeah, I do, I do have one thing, and Mark, be interested in your perspective on this with with Tennessee because I think that's ultimately yeah. without you know we're kind of dancing around but that's yeah. really the question of you know does he remain in the starting lineup T- to me it's so odd you see he he took some shots early in the in the first half there was one on a you know perfect reversal just like totally didn't even hit the rim uh hit the backboard past the past the basket and really didn't have a lot of confidence then one drive in the second half he just like puts his head down, drives, spins, goes to the basket, gets a layup. And it's like, what happened? Like, where is this guy? And then when there's really no pressure in the game whatsoever, he, you know, hits a three, but the very next possession misses one, like, wildly. I, I You know, maybe it's a, did you ever play with somebody like that who, like, really struggled that was that up and down? Or as you watch him, like, what do you, do you think it's a guy just that much in his own head yeah, in terms he, of trying to figure he, out what to do? He seems like he's in his own head, yeah. He definitely does. Like, I think, uh, I mean, the, the guy the guy was unbelievable at Iowa. And uh, I mean, you're on the road. I was a top five team at the time. Would you have like 18 points or something? And yep. um, I, I remember watching that game. Just like, where? Who is this? What just happened? Like, what? Rock Fantasy is unbelievable. Um, and it, I, I can't think of any other explanation than than being in his own head and just kind of like overthinking the game and um, just yeah. That, that, that's the only thing that stands out to me because the, the the kid has the talent. He's he's very good. There's a reason he was so highly recruited and. Uh, Purdue fans said we're definitely not mad that you stole us from our backyard. We promise we're definitely not mad. And they said it over and over and over. Uh, it's because Rob Fantasy is a good basketball player, and I think Rob Fantasy needs to remind himself he's a good basketball player. This is this is a tangent that that uh, uh, for, might not be relevant, but I, I my my mind immediately went to this. Uh, when I was in eighth grade, I job shadowed Brad Stevens. Uh, we, we had to do a job shadow thing um in eighth grade where you like pick someone in a career that you want to do and and go follow them and uh my dad knew todd licklider is the head coach at butler so i he called in a favor and i went and for so for the day i was supposed to job shadow todd licklider he obviously is the head coach he's like no 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 go go deal with this graduate assistant we have his name's brad stevens so uh brad stevens is like 23 years old and what i did all day and i'll never forget this is uh brad stevens took the entire day and made a highlight tape of Darnell Archie. I don't know if you guys remember Darnell Archie on those Butler teams. One of course. Of great, he was an unbelievable shooter. Just unbelievable. Uh, but he was he was struggling. He was in a slump. They couldn't figure out what was going on. Brad Stevens had me sit down with a notepad and write down like all the time. We were watching all these game, this game film. And we were writing down all the times Darnell Archie was like making great shots, great plays. And then he put together a highlight tape put it in Darnell Archie's locker and just said like watch this. And Darnell Archie, and so I I remember sitting there thinking like, what is he doing? And then I started tracking it and Darnell Archie started playing well. And I was like, this is, this Brad Stevens guy is going places. That was unbelievable. What, what did I do? And I guess that's like what I think about Rob Fitt. Like if I'm Archie Miller, like get some eighth grader in there, taking notes, all the, like just play the He's Iowa made plenty of big loop. shots. Yeah. <laughs> I mean- he's, he's, he's a good player. You just have to remind him that he's a good player. And uh, I don't know. That's, that's, but this is going to sound stupid, but like this is one of the things I do love about college basketball. Not when it happens to my team or your guys' team, obviously. Like it's not fun when your point guard is in his head a little bit. But uh, 
you, you, it, it, all these variables, it, it's, it's so hard to be good in college basketball because these are things like NBA teams don't really have to worry about. You don't have to like worry about like, is your point guard's head in the game for long stretches? Uh, but mm-hmm. it, it makes it makes the game so interesting because like you, you really don't know what you're going to get. And uh, unfortunately, it's not quite as fun when it's your team's point guard. But I don't know. You know, Mark, I wasn't sure what kind of attitude you were going to have coming on this show, but now I'm convinced you're officially trolling us, making up a story about Brad Stevens on an IU podcast <laughs> after IU loses a game. That's just I'm not sure. that's Do you guys know nice. who Brad Stevens is? Yep. Definitely, not the, definitely not the context. <laughs> I assume Brad Stevens would come up with yeah. on, on our show. I, I don't even want to look at the chat right now. Point, he's, actually, like he's actually from Indiana. I don't know if you guys knew that. He's, is uh, he? Uh, that's, <laughs> that's interesting. We'll have, to, we'll have to consider that next time we're talking about coaches. Who knew? Oh, <laughs> All right. Coming up oh. as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's loss to Ohio State, we will talk about one meaningful moment you might have missed that I think points to a larger issue. Maybe we'll talk about numbers, but I think we'll more talk big picture with the Archie Miller era with Mark Titus. You're listening to the Assembly Call. Stick with us. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. You know... Hey guys, it's Gene Steratore, CBS officiating analyst and retired Big Ten basketball official. You know I have never listened to the assembly call, and to be honest, I don't intend to. But if you listen, make sure you ignore anything Ryan says about officiating. He's really good from the seat of his pants, but I wouldn't trust him on the court with a whistle around his neck. Time has proven him wrong on virtually everything. Take care. We'll talk soon. That is true. Thanks, Gene. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and special guest Mark Titus, and we are breaking down Indiana's 19-point loss to Ohio State on Saturday afternoon. Uh, guys, time for today's meaningful moment that you might have missed. And I don't want to belabor this segment too long because you know there just there, there weren't a lot of moments really worth talking about, but there was one that. I mean, it almost made me throw my computer. It frustrated me so much. Um, and it's not actually when Archie pulled Jerome Hunter after he had a great stretch of offense. You know, Jerome Hunter knocked down a three-pointer, had a great post feed, had a great post seal. And then Archie takes him out right after that when Jerome was the only guy giving us life. It's not even that one. It's at the end of the half. Indiana is down 36-28. They've really battled back to like make it competitive. And I, I mean, I really felt at that point, okay, it's like 45 seconds left. We've got the ball. Got to get a good shot. You know, try to get a bucket here. Make it a six-point game. And Archie goes with Al Durham, Anthony Leal, Jerome Hunter, Race Thompson, and Trace Jackson Davis. Now, look, we just talked about how poorly the guards were playing. So it's not like, you know, Finnessy or Lander or Franklin had done something so great that you're like, well, those guys have to be on the court. But how many times have we seen these end-of-half, end-of-game possessions with Al Durham running the point, and it just doesn't work? Al Durham is not a playmaker. He's a shot maker. He's a guy who attacks closeouts. When you put the ball in his hands at the top of the key, bad things happen, and that's exactly what happened. He turned the ball over. Ohio State scored. We come down, and he jacks up a wild shot. We don't get a good shot. They get a layup, and it's a 10-point game at the half. Now, does that change anything? Almost surely not. It was a 19-point loss, but Mark, it's... 
those little decisions sometimes that Archie makes, and obviously he's forgotten more about coaching than I'll ever know, all of that stuff. But sometimes you watch things like that, that he's trying the same thing over and over again that hasn't worked. Mm-hmm. And I think fans are like, why are we doing this? Like, it, it just doesn't make sense. So, you know, and I look, you know, my dad was a college coach. I respect coaches. I know how much more they know than I do. But yeah, I just don't understand why we do things like that. Yeah. Maybe you can make sense of it or not, but that really stuck out to me. And I just, it's infuriating that we're still doing that in February. I thought you were going to end that thought with, I know they know more than I do, but do they? But do they? <laughs> like, I might, I might be smarter than the coaches. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, boy, it, it's tough because um, I it, I have the luxury of you know like I, I obviously follow Indiana closely and I I am an Indiana fan to some extent, but I also have the luxury of the real my real team is Ohio State, who's ranked fourth in the country right now and playing well. So I have the luxury of like if I'm watching Indiana and they're not playing well on, on a certain night, I just shrug my shoulders. I'm like all right, well, I guess I'll watch the Buckeyes. And then I can just kind of, I can put, I can wear my Indiana fandom and take it off and put it back on when it, when it suits me. So uh, maybe I'm not the guy to, to talk about this stuff. Like, cause I, I'm not going to make excuses for Archie. Cause like at this point, if, if you've reached the point in year four and, and uh, you're, you're still doing all these caveats of like, IU is close or I mean you should if, if IU is six and seven in the big 10 I don't care what the context is that's not acceptable I mean I don't I don't think Indiana fans should be I, I know nationally uh national college basketball people look at Indiana fans say they're crazy say they have unrealistic expectations I think the moment you say to yourself of the fan base six and seven pretty it's not bad it's like you've lost you're you're definitely done and and the program is done so um what I will say is I think because because what happens every time Ohio State and Indiana play is one Ohio State wins obviously but two uh, the the conversation centers around Chris Holtman and Archie Miller because they were both hired at the same time uh, Archie obviously coached at Ohio State so like that was there was uh, you know should should Ohio State get Archie Holtman's from Butler so it's like there, there's all that overlap and I would say that that. Holtman's transition from taking over for Thad Mata, the changes, quote unquote, he had to make within the program were very minor. It was very like Ohio State, like, like Thad Mata's problems were not a cultural thing. They were, it was basically he, he, he couldn't use his foot and his back was messed up. And that just kind of led to his demise uh, at Ohio State. Whereas Archie has had to like completely overhaul. He's doing a completely different system from what like Tom Crane's teams, it's night and day, the kind of basketball they're playing. Um, so I don't I don't want to kill him too much, but also we're in year four, and uh, I don't know I'm kind of I'm kind of all over the place with, with trying to you, you guys you guys are done huh you guys are like Indiana fit. he's not going to get fired this year though like it's a free year with COVID huh I think it just depends on how much it bottoms out like if it bottoms out I think there's a chance because I think apathy will be so strong I think if they make the tournament then yeah I think I think he'll be back I, I think I think a lot of fans are in a place where I'm basically at which is that. Like I, I haven't seen enough to really fully believe in the future of the program. Like I'm here every game, you know. I'm, I'm I fully support it. I hope they do well, but there's just n- hasn't been anything really confidence-inducing. You know, I, I, I think the vision. I'll, I'll put it this way. Like I think Archie's vision makes a lot of sense. He's basically, you know, if we're going to simplify it, he's trying to do what Tony Bennett does at Virginia, more or less. Like that's kind of the idea of of what Archie's trying to do and recruit locally and uh, take all these Indiana guys and and if Kyle Guy is coming up. In Indiana now, he's going to go play for Archie Miller and run Bennett Ball down in Bloomington, and that's kind of the idea. And I, I, I believe in the vision, but uh, the is is the guy behind the driver's 
there's the guy in the driver's seat that's getting us to that vision, doing a good job with the driving of the car right now. Can we just have that, Tony Bennett's vision in Bloomington? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah I invoked. How about that? I come on the show and I, I invoke Tony Bennett and Brad Stevens. And, <laughs> yeah. Well, like barely over a half hour in, too. That's really nice. uh, yeah, I mean, I, for, for me, I, just to kind of answer that larger point, I, I think things are so inconsistent that he's lost or is losing the benefit of the doubt in decisions like the one that Jared mentioned or in decisions like taking Jerome Hunter out. Maybe there's an argument to be made that Jerome Hunter's getting tired and you're trying to like get him a break no matter how good he's playing. But there's so much more scrutiny on every single thing that you do because yeah. things aren't really moving fast enough in the direction that people want him to go. There isn't that consistency. And so every little thing that you might normally give somebody a, a pass on fewer and fewer people are giving him a pass on it as people have kind of chosen sides or are taking sides and, and doing whatever. And I, I don't know that that means he's not back next year. I think to Jared's point, if they make the tournament, then I would, I would imagine that he would be if they don't, or if things really go poorly here down the stretch in these last five or however many they end up um, jamming in, then we'll, we'll kind of see what happens at that point. But yeah, I think the, the little lineup decisions are, are you know kind of a microcosm of does he realize you know watching the team they're playing well in this scenario does the coach not see that do they not and there's more to it than that but i think that's the you know drum hunter your to your point jared was one of the only guys really giving him a, a spark in the first half they struggled to score um they did play him more at the three course of the game played him with you know trace and, and race but you know in general and then you start the second half with the same lineup that you've been starting with. It's getting you off to slow starts. I think it's that kind of stuff that's kind of wearing on people. And if you were winning more consistently, you'd probably turn more of a blind eye to it. But I think there's a lot of well, people who can I, the point where they're not. Can I again say something that uh, it, it's very convenient for me to say, because again, I don't have to, to, you're not going to bring up Bob Knight, are you? Cause <laughs> we're, I mean, if you get the trifecta this early, I mean, that would Billy be really Donovan, maybe <laughs> to, the point of, yeah, to the point of winning, uh, obviously winning cures all. And, um, I mean, I think Bill has made the point today that the Big Ten and the Big 12 are the two leagues where you can play well and lose. And uh, no Indiana fan wants to hear this. Again, I'm not saying like Archie is, is a great coach and, and you're wrong to think he's not or anything like that. But I will say, like as someone who watches college basketball all over the country this year, like the Big Ten is unbelievable. Like, we, we, I don't need to tell people this, but it's it's so much better than basically every other league except maybe the Big 12. Um IU, I genuinely believe this might be like a, a top four or five team in the ACC this year. They 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 would they would they are they are a good basketball team in that regard. Like like you go over their losses and and I've watched a lot of these losses. It's this is why it's so fresh. I mean Florida State in overtime on a last second shot, like double overtime at Wisconsin, uh, uh, overtime against Illinois. Um, on down the line, there are just so many games where it's like, man, if one or two possessions go the other way, what what, what is Indiana now? Eleven and nine? Like they could be. They could be fifteen and five or something very easily. They could very easily be yeah, fifteen I mean, and five. We're having a different discussion at this point. If if like basically a lot of these losses are are excusable, quote unquote. But it's also Indiana, and like when you're get, when you've reached a point where you're like trying to make excuses for losses, you've kind of already lost the bigger picture. Um, the, the only other I thing know. I would say there is, you know, but then you look at the Penn State win and the Northwestern win, <clears throat> where sure. you're on the razor's edge. So they've kind of like won half of them and lost half of lost them. Half of them. Which is about what I, you would expect when you're in that many close games. The only other defense I'll have of Archie, or, or just kind of, I'm not trying to defend him. I, I guess I'm just trying to provide like a Bounce. maybe 
some balance. Yeah. Some like perspective of like what, what makes this different from every other year? Cause I, I, I was very high on Indiana from what I saw in Nashville. I, I, I think the pieces are there. I think, like I said, I, I genuinely don't think Ohio state is that much more talented on an individual player level than Indiana is. And I think like there's a good team in there. Um, but what, what, what's, what, what becomes frustrating, I think, as a fan with Archie's system and, and having a, an approach that's so defensive-minded, and Andy brought up the point earlier at the, at the top of the show, is it's, it's offense feeds in the defense, and you, and you have to make shots to like then get the juice on defense sometimes. Um, when, when, the, when IU is not playing well, it looks really, really bad. It looks really bad. And, and that's what happens when you have a defensive-minded team because – uh, if, if you struggle offensively, but you're making your 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 bread and butters on the defensive end, and then say uh, some night you're just like not clicking defensively, like whatever's going on, it, it bottoms out and it looks horrible. Um, and if you have a team that's more offensively minded and they're not playing well, uh, it, it's more appealing, I guess, as a fan, like uh, to have an off night, to have a team that's so offensive minded not play well. It's like that's eh, that's that was a, that's all right. We just weren't making shots. Or you kind of come up with like these, and and I think like having that context of um, Indiana can be an elite defensive team. I think Archie's again, I, I do believe in the vision. I believe in the idea of uh, uh, having a defensive minded team that, that like takes care of the ball. I know that's like, whether it, 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 it happens or not, that's something Archie values is like, let's protect the ball. Let's play defense. That makes a lot of sense. So like the big picture I'm with the, the local guys, like they're a young team. Like it makes a lot of sense. It's just like, again, if you're watching all these games, like there's, there's inevitably one or two times at least every game where you're just like, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> yeah. Let me, let me ask you this Mark Cause I think we're all kind of trying to figure out like why it hasn't worked more. Cause I think a lot yeah. of IU fans believed in it. I remember I, you know, I was on, a, I had Gary Parrish on a podcast and asked him like, okay, if this doesn't work with Archie Miller, why won't it work? And he's like, He's like, I don't even understand the question. Like, of course it's going to work with Archie. Like, yeah. it, there, there were a lot of reasons that it seemed at the time like it would work. And, and to me, as you kind of look at what he did at Dayton that was successful, you know, he had a point guard in Scoochie Smith that kind of ran things, mm-hmm. you know, and he didn't have a team that was built around big guys. He had more of a perimeter-oriented mm-hmm. team. They played mm-hmm. smaller. Every single year at Indiana, his best player has been a post guy. You know, he came in and had Juwan Morgan, uh, then, you know, you know, you had a guy like Deron Davis who was there. And then, of course, you know, Trace Jackson Davis is in your backyard. You're going to take him. And the guards like Rob Finnessy, you know, haven't really panned out. Al Durham is what he is. He's a guy who was ranked 230th and has actually become a contributing player. Like, you're actually pretty happy with that. So it seems like the vision for what we thought we were going to get hasn't happened because we've been playing all this basketball that's built around a yeah. big guy. And, but yet it, that doesn't feel like the kind of basketball he wants to play. He just hasn't gotten right. the point guard right. And he's tried to right. recruit those guys. So like if you're, if you're trying to paint like an optimistic picture, you know, or a reason to hold on to hope, like, do you think that if he's able to kind of hit the point guard, which maybe a guy like Lander is, he can play basketball that's more his style. But then do you also say, well, dude, you've had four years to like right. figure out the roster. And I think this is where you start talking yourself into circles because you want to be right. hopeful, exactly. you want to be optimistic, but then you come back to year four, year six and seven, like, I mean, what are we doing? That's that's exactly what I do. I just talk myself into circles because I, I, I think um, – yeah, I mean, it, again, not to bring up Tony Bennett, but like you, you look at Tony Bennett's tenure at Virginia, and it started out and like kind of f- recruiting guys that that fit his vision, and and you're trying to coach him on on how to play team defense, and um, there were growing pains for him as well because it's 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 a brand the pack line defense is a brand of basketball that guys uh, aren't are it's not natural it's not like 
it's not something that kids are growing up <laughs> saying, I want to play pack line basketball and they're going out and working on pack line rotations in their backyards and stuff like that. So uh, I, I think I, I, I go there where it's just like, you, you got to have, I, I, I have seen progress. I think Indiana is a lot closer as a, a to, to being a nationally relevant, um, very, very good basketball team than Indiana fans think they are. But uh, again, we're talking ourselves in circles. Cause it's like, I mean, I don't know. Is is that uh, we've been here before? It's the same old story. But I, I do agree, though, Jared. I mean, I think like you, you plug a point guard in. It is weird that that in 2021 you're not going to win basketball games through big guys. Like you're not going to win. You're not going to. You're not going to win national titles certainly through through a big guy. You got to have guards that can make plays. You got to have guards that uh, when all else fails, you can throw the ball to them. And uh, again, I'm sorry for bringing up Tony Bennett, but that just seems to be the arc that Archie's trying to to emulate. Tony Bennett obviously choked in March a lot. Virginia had their problems, and ultimately, when he got over the hump, is because he had guys like Kyle Guy and and Ty Jerome and DeAndre Hunter. And like, if you watched the arc of Virginia as closely as I did, when when they were struggling early, and then like Bennett started winning ACC titles, and then they ultimately won the national title, like that's that was the difference. Was that he eventually got guys in there that was like, all right, when the system breaks down, just throw the ball to my MB, my three NBA players and let them go make plays on the perimeter, um, and. Uh, it might just come down to that. It's like you got You got to empower your guards, and right now they're they're not doing that. But I don't know if you want to be optimistic. Maybe Christian Lander can can become that guy. <laughs> your, your chuckle after saying that makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> it's just like it's, we're we're a broken record, right? Like this is the it's the it's the same. Imagine I mean, doing come, this after every game, Mark. <laughs> I know. I'm going to come on next year, and Ohio State's going to beat Indiana, and I'm going to say, listen, it's not that bad, you guys. Like, you guys are close, I promise. <laughs> People are calling you out in the chat. They said, Mark just wants Indiana to stay in this cycle of, of mediocrity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm Lucy with the football. Pulled it from Charlie Brown, just saying. <laughs> You're so close. You guys are going to kick it next year, I promise. <laughs> oh, man. Andy? No, you want to talk stats maybe and – Move on. I don't know that I have anything to add that we we haven't there. I mean, well, I mean, I, I mean, well, I guess the only thing that I turn would, things around by looking at some. Yeah, I mean, you can point out the points per possession. Yeah. Indiana gives up one point two five eight, so that's not very Tony Bennett or Virginia like in year four. Yeah, that's not. That's not. No, no, that's, that's not not ideal. That's not the. That's not it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, when you look at from a statistical perspective, you know, a couple areas, Ohio State gets twenty one points off the fifteen IU turnovers. They get 20 second chance points off of 12 offensive rebounds. I mean, IU had almost as many offensive rebounds, but but less than half the second chance points. So just a couple. Of those. I mean, Ohio State really either, and, and I probably haven't watched enough Ohio State to know how much they typically crash the glass, but it seemed more more than what they might normally do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Suing had four, I feel like, before the first, first TV timeout or something close to that. And IU didn't ever really adjust to that. You know, Zed Key, as, as Mark mentioned, was really, he would just – body trace under the basket and then get, you know, put himself in position to get rebounds. And I, I think a lot of that just speaks to the overall physicality of, of Ohio state. And I know they talked about that a little bit on the broadcast and just, just how physical they are defensively on rebounding, whatever. And, th- and that, you know, to, to kind of circle it back to the other point, you know, that's one of the things that I think IU wants to build its identity on is that kind of physical, physicality, toughness, whatever. But when they really ran up against somebody today who truly had those things, the difference was pretty stark. Yeah. And the only other number I think that really jumps out is zero, 
which is the number of points that we got from the freshmen today. You know, I think a big reason that Indiana's played better over the previous five games is the freshmen have been really good. Like you look at some of the on-court numbers and the freshmen have the highest efficiency margins when they're on the court. You know, Lander and Geronimo especially, uh, along with Leal. And those guys had zero. But you know what? You're on the road in the Big Ten. They're freshmen. They're going to have games where they're up and down. You know, they need to be a bonus, not what you count on. And unfortunately, you know, the the veteran guards who you needed to step up today weren't there. And so it was just kind of an all-systems failure. When the guards don't step up, the freshmen aren't ready to go, which is going to happen against a good team on the road. You know, there you are. I like this freshman the, class, though. I like Indiana's freshman class. That's the one thing most IU they, fans yeah. can agree on from an optimistic yeah. standpoint. Most fan, yeah. Most folks are pretty energetic and, about those guys and i will say like part of the reason i was so high on iu uh, from watching them in Asheville is like the I, a lot has changed between then and now and and certainly you guys have been following it close more closely than i have but uh they they seem like a very tight-knit group not just the freshmen like the whole team yeah. like it seemed like um and, and in the last few years watching indiana uh there's always been it feels like one or two guys that are like i don't really necessarily love playing basketball with the rest of these guys and certainly in Asheville and, and a lot of losses have piled up since then. So maybe, you know, some, some stuff has happened since, but uh, they, they all seem to, to love each other and they were like so excited. And, and, uh, and a lot of that had to do with the freshmen. I mean, those freshmen guys were, were going nuts on the bench and you got Anthony Leal's a Mr. Basketball and he's going to Indiana and uh, he's, he's like a, the next Jordan holes kind of ish. Cause they went to the same high school and, and now they're at Indiana and all that. And uh, he's he's on the bench for most of these games that I that early on in the season, and that guy was is up clapping and going crazy and helping out as any way he can. And uh, I don't know, I, I noticed that sort of stuff. And from like a building a program culture sort of thing, like that stuff matters more than it. It sounds super hokey and stupid when you know pundits talk about that stuff, but as someone who was in it, like that's that's how you build um a, a a culture and 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 that's that's how you build confidence in guys and and guys lifting each other up and again winning cures all and i think you start winning basketball games it's a lot easier to to be excited on the bench and that sort of thing and losses start piling up and everyone starts pointing fingers or whatever but um i will say that again an, another nugget of optimism is that I, I i get the feeling or at least i did earlier in the season that these guys don't hate each other that these guys uh and especially the freshmen because they all you know like they all know each other so well so uh, that is encouraging moving forward is that like at least uh, they're not going to pull knives on each other in the locker room and, and, and yeah. you know, like they're, they're cohesive units. They're going down with the ship together. I think that, I down. think that, that is the, that is what I think will keep this thing from bottoming out. Like everything that we've seen, everything I've you know heard talking to parents and stuff, the team itself seems really tight. Now I think yeah. we've seen some schisms or kind of some fissures between Archie and some of the players that have spilled mm -hmm. out on the court a little bit. Just kind of some looks that you get and some things where you're like, oh, that was kind of odd. You know, so that I think is something to keep an eye on. But the team itself, yes, much better than the last few years. No doubt about that. Mm -hmm. so. Okay. Well, let's keep moving on here. Coming up on the assembly call, we are going to hand out our game balls, uh, hit any other lingering storylines, and we'll look ahead to Indiana's next opponent and the rest of their schedule with Mark, and then it'll be time for last call. That's next on the assembly call. Stick with us. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player fine. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. 
they're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. What's up, y'all? It's Devontae Green, giving you the green light to watch Assembly Call after every IU game. Just don't listen to their opinions about shot selection. Remember, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Go Hoosiers. There's a guy who never lacked for confidence. <laughs> you're, you're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com, while you're there. Make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 7,000 of your fellow IU fans have subscribed. You can also text IU to 66866 to subscribe to the newsletter. That's IU to 66866. All right. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and our special guest. It's the yes, the Rainmaker is here, Mark right. Titus. Uh, we're breaking down Indiana's 19-point loss. To Ohio State, Mark, this is the uh, the part of the show where we hand out our game balls. Now, we usually keep this specific to Indiana game balls, All right. which, you know, some games is a lot harder than others. Uh, this would certainly qualify. Um, so we will we'll go to you first. Who gets your right. Indiana game ball for today's uh, So obviously, Trace Jackson Davis, from a statistical standpoint, was was probably the obvious pick. But I'm going to give it to Jerome Hunter because uh, I thought I thought he played. Um, he, 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 he played pretty well. And then, uh, I don't, I don't know why he didn't get more minutes. And, um, he, 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 obviously he's a local kid in the sense of he's from Columbus and, uh, he plays playing back home and Ohio state wanted to recruit him. And I don't, I don't know if he's fooled by that or whatever, but he, uh, he showed some signs of life. And, and if I was an Indiana fan, I would have been encouraged by that until, um, he got the technical and <laughs> was, I didn't know, did he get that? Here. Just did he just say something? Is that why he got the tech? I, I never really, I, I never really figured out what the, what happened there because they said he got a tech, but then the replay looked like maybe he was like a flagrant or something. I don't know. Was uh, it actually a tech? They, I don't. Yeah, know. Yeah, they did. They, they they were too busy talking about best three point shooters in the country on the broadcast to really give it much thought. He like he kind of got tangled up with somebody going off the screen when he got called for the foul, but there wasn't any real. Didn't seem to be like jawing after the play or anything. So I don't know if he just said something to the official or. Or whatever. Yeah, it was kind of strange. They never really showed anything that made it clear what what was done to earn the technical. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like I like Jerome Hunter a lot. Um, and uh he, he played well today. And uh so I, I think that's kind of that's kind of where we've arrived with Indiana for me is like who's going to help Trace Jackson Davis in, in terms of production. And uh so I'm I'm giving a game ball to Jerome Hunter as the one guy who kind of sort of ish stepped up <laughs> yeah no i'm 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 giving it to him too because indiana needed some sign of life to not get blown out by 40 points and he gave mm -hmm. it and look we got the full jerome hunter experience today he's going to turn it over he's going to fall down inexplicably at least once a game you know gets a technical <laughs> foul there's going to be some defensive lapses and yet he's the second most talented offensive player on the team he can go inside he can go outside he never lacks for confidence with his shot you know, and so that was really important, and I think that spark that he gave was I, I, that's enough to get it for me. I noticed one thing, by the way, uh, Jerome Hunter. I think it was the first three he hit, um, top of the key. Uh, the Ohio State bench lost their minds, and the coaches lost their minds, and uh, that sort of stuff stands out to me because you just know that the the Ohio State coaches were just drilling over and over and scouting like this guy could shoot, this guy's good, like. And and long story short, the Ohio State coaches respect Jerome Hunter. Like that that mm -hmm. became clear to me. Like he shot the shot, they lost their minds, and that just I, I just I could see that whole week of preparation leading up to this game, 
uh, just how much respect Ohio State has for for Jerome Hunter. And it makes sense because he's a local kid that uh, should have gone to Ohio State. Jerome, Jerome, if you're listening, transfers are eligible right away. Come home. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Andy, do you? It'll, Jerome will get it. Do you want to give an honorable mention to somebody else? Yeah, I mean, the, really, the only other choice was was Trace. I was just trying to look back to see how many of his points. He had 14 in the second half. I was trying to see how many really came when things had been decided. There was a stretch where he scored seven in a row that was, I think, after they'd gotten down 20. So you, know, you kind of take some of those with a with a grain of salt. So I probably would end up going with Jerome. But um, those were I, those were the only two guys that felt like they were even uh, plausible choices to me. Yeah. Okay, so Jerome Hunter gets his first game ball of the year. Mark, our next segment is called the Mike Roberts Real Hustle Award. So this is kind of the award. It's not the game ball, but it's kind of like you know the guy who maybe didn't play a lot of minutes, but he like really made a big contribution uh, in another way. And we, we have intro music for it too, so here we go. Coach Roberts Real Hustle Award. In honor of Coach Tyson's favorite. I have a mad favorite, crush on Coach Roberts. His favorite, Coach Roberts. Um, and by the way, this uh, Mike Roberts Real Hustle Award presented for the rest of the season by Evansville Security Services. Because in basketball, good defense requires your help to be in the right place at the right time. And the same principle applies in life too, especially when it comes to protecting your business or loved ones. And this is where Evansville Security Services steps in, like Armand Franklin stepping in to take a charge against an oncoming offensive player, Mark's favorite play in basketball. Evansville Security <laughs> Services provides off-duty police officers to businesses and individuals throughout Indiana, and you can choose between uniformed or non-uniformed officers. In addition, Evansville Security Services offers accident investigators who go all over the state, and you can count on the folks at ESS to conduct themselves in a professional manner at all times. Go to EvansvilleSecurityServices.com to learn more. That's EvansvilleSecurityServices.com or call 812-214-1132. Remember, prevention cannot be measured. Let Evansville Security Services help you prevent a bad outcome today. Uh, Andy, why don't you go first? Give Mark the hang of the Mike Roberts Real Hustle Award. Um, I don't, I don't really know where you're going to go with it, but <laughs> oh yeah, I really appreciate it. It's like it's like IU late shot clock here. Armand Franklin, yeah. go figure something out. Um, I, man, there's not a lot of not a lot of great options when you only have six guys that score. That doesn't uh, that doesn't really help too much either. I, I guess if I had to go with somebody other than uh, other than Jerome Hunter, uh, I might go with uh, might even Trey Gallagher. A couple of nice plays, I guess. Didn't score, but the one fast break that he led, uh, you know, off to Al for a, a, an and one was was decent but yeah i i would be in favor of like if you wanted to give this to jerome hunter as well i would be okay with that perhaps before giving it to anybody else race was race was fine he had nine and nine points five rebounds i guess but this, yeah, i don't know trey galloway didn't have a negative plus minus which is something you can't say for hardly anybody else on the team, <laughs> so. this feels like a very participation trophy award because it I is mean, some like, games it's, games it's like, more useful in, than in games like this yeah like, but now like it's sponsored it so we have to we have to do it <laughs> in a game like this where like the, the 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 one thing that stood out to me more than anything else was how much zed key hustled more than anyone on indiana like that was like my big takeaway as an ohio state fan you're like so who hustled on indiana i'm like what uh so I, I'm, I'm gonna give the award to uh the guy who I, the only guy on Indiana's bench that I think deserves it, and it's Tim Garl, who uh, ran over to the ref <laughs> when he got his clock cleaned, and just like instinctively was like, "I'm on it. This is what I do. I, I help guys." Uh, so I'm, I'm going to give it to Tim Garl because I can't, in good conscience, give it to anybody on Indiana's any of the players. Certainly, yeah. Now, I, look, I'm going to give it to Trace Jackson Davis, just kind of in a way to recognize his production, but it's with a giant asterisk that. What we saw from him in the second half where he's hustling for offensive rebounds and doing all that stuff, 
you got to do that at the start of the game. And if you do that, maybe we'll get off to a better start. So it's it's kind of like fake hustle at the end of a game when it's not when the game has kind of in you know already been put away. But we need to see more of that from him because that I was the king of that. I was the king of the fake hustle. I just wanted to say that. Like I, I respect. I'm not going to get on Trace for that because that was that was my mo. It was like the ball has already bounced out of bounds twice and the whistle's blown. And then I come diving in, like trying to save it just so it looks cool. Like I'm out there hustling, you know, (laughs) coach Tonsoni, one of our other co-hosts, who's a high school basketball coach. He, he always rails against fake hustle and he especially hates guys who do like the closeout where they just like run by somebody, but they're not really challenging the shot. (laughs) When you're you're as bad of a basketball player as I was like all that stuff that I kind of hate it too, because like, that's why you, I mean, you mentioned earlier, I hate charges because I'm a guy who took 10,000 charges in my life and I know that it's garbage. I know what I'm, I know what the people that take charges are doing and they're saying, I suck. That's the same with a fake hustle. Like, yeah, I, I it's, it's all I could do to make an impact is the, to, to try to convince the coaches I'm good is <laughs> when the game's out of hand, dive after a loose ball. <laughs> so let, let me ask you this, Mark, as we, as we kind of wrap up here, you know, you've done a couple podcasts with us before where you've really gone into your history with Archie Miller. Um, and I'll yeah. put links to those in the show notes. Cause obviously we don't have time for you to rehash all that stuff here, but you know, maybe it would be useful, you know, from your firsthand experience from him, you know, with him, like what is maybe something we don't understand or that you remember from that time that kind of gives you some of the confidence that, that he might still be able to be this guy that maybe we just haven't gotten a chance to see yet. Or yeah. That hasn't uh, come out. He's, he's very intense. He's very, uh, he, he's very knowledgeable, obviously the game. Um, he, uh, oh, again, I'm, I'm, I don't know why I just feel the, the, the desire to throw out a bunch of cliche stuff, but like he, he is a guy that I remember at Ohio state that, gets it like that's the only way i could really sum it up was like he just was he, he was a different caliber of assistant coach and the moment he was hired at dayton to be a head coach like it wasn't surprising to me at all because i was like this guy is destined to be a head coach and uh yeah i don't know like that that's that's what i would say like that that's i believe in his vision that's that's all i could say is like i don't know the what's sitting in the head coach's chair is different from an assistant coach's chair. So like my perspective of him, I thought John Gross was awesome too, for what it's worth. Like he, I thought John Gross, John Gross was like one of the smartest guys I've ever met in my life in basketball or otherwise. And when Illinois, when he ended up at Illinois, I was like, I don't know. I mean, the guy is a genius, but he also being a head coach is different from an assistant coach. So I don't know. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to defend the guy and I'm certainly not going to say like Indiana fans are crazy for wanting Archie gone or anything. Uh, but I, I, I do believe in his vision. I believe that uh, he can get Indiana there, but also like he knew what he was stepping into. I mean, the guy, he, he, in his introductory press conference, I watched every second of it. And he was, he was just hammering home. Like part of the reason I was so excited about him taking over at Indiana is because he, again, was a guy who gets it. And that was like one of the criticisms of Tom Crean was not recruiting locally. Uh, he, he sort of felt like Indiana was just another program, so to speak. And Archie knew from day one, like this is Indiana, this matters. You can't just, uh, show up and use it to enhance your own brand. Like you have to have these certain values if you're going to be the leader of Indiana basketball. And I think he understands all that and he gets it. But the the flip side of that is he also listen. He's he's got to he's got to understand that six and seven in the Big Ten just isn't good enough. And it doesn't matter what the context is. And I know it's a COVID year, and uh, a lot of coaches around the country are are certainly looking to say like this is a weird year and this year doesn't count and all that kind of stuff. And I, it, Indiana fans don't want to hear it, nor should they want to hear it. So. Um, I don't know. I, I I do believe that's the only way I can describe it. I guess is I believe in the vision, but uh, the road he's heading down, he's taking a detour. And I and, and I guess it's. Do you want to trust that he knows the GPS is saying go this way, and he's he's going a little this way, 
And you're like, do we want to trust that he's going to make it back to the vision? But as far as the overall vision of where he's trying to, to I, I think it's, I don't think it's a, unrealistic. I don't think it's uh, just pie in the sky. I don't think it's just like he gets in front of a microphone and just says cool things to, to keep people confident in him. I think, I think there's a real vision of where he wants to take it. It's just maybe not going as swimmingly as he anticipated right now. I'd settle for some cool things to keep us confident right now. If he, yeah. he wants to, <laughs> he wants to let any of those fly. I'd be all about those. Yeah. Uh, Andy, I know, I know you have to go. You want to pop in here for a, a final thought? Yeah, I got to leave to go uh, coach my daughter's game. We only have six players today, uh, so <laughs> lineup questions will be minimized by uh, only having one <laughs> sub. So I feel good about that. Um, but you know, I think it's t- to me going into today. This is kind of what I expected. Maybe the margin was a little bit more than what I would have expected. But I think you've seen enough from this IU team that you had a pretty good idea of that, that they weren't going to be ready to really compete with the team plan the way that Ohio State has been for the balance of the year. And the game certainly uh, certainly showed that. So now you turn your, you know, you turn to the next two games, which are at least of the games that are scheduled right now are the two most winnable by virtually any, any measure that you'd look at, you know, home games against the Minnesota team that's uh, been lights out at home, struggled on the road and then home against Michigan state who, um, you know, hasn't played all that well and who uh, Archie has had their number for whatever reason over the, the over the last couple of seasons. So I, I think you have to really just go into those games and say, you got to hold serve this week. And then you got to figure out how to steal one of the last ones on the road. We, we talked about that a little bit on the show of, you know, of the games that are left, I guess the Michigan games at home, but you know, these two next two are the ones that you really feel like you need to win and should win if you're going to make the NCAA tournament. So if you don't do that, you really put yourself behind the eight ball. And I think that's what I use kind of fighting back from behind. I think if you look back and and Mark brought this up earlier in the show, but you know, you don't lose that Northwestern game and you win one of those big 10 overtime games, you're eight and five in the league right now and feeling pretty feeling okay. And yeah, you got blown out by Ohio state, but they're a really good team and you can kind of move on. And I think the general tone of how everybody feels coming out of that is pretty different just with a couple game swing. So now you, you've used up all the rope that you have. You got to find ways to win these two games at home. And, and uh, you'd like to think they'll bounce back and do that. And, and ideally just trying to find a way to get balance on this team where you can have the front court and the back court play well in the same game, because these last two games have been pretty extreme in that regard, but um, just trying to figure things out, that balance. Ohio State had a really good balance from a scoring perspective today. They got a lot of guys who can beat you. They got a lot of guys who are confident. And just game to game, that's not what IU has right now. And uh, if they want to make a run and uh, make the tournament over the, the stretch, they got to find some level of consistency and some some level of balance with these guys. And um, we'll see if they can do it starting Wednesday night. I think they announced a tip time. I think it's 9 o'clock. Nine I want to say. play at 9 or noon pretty much for the rest of the season. Uh, I'm really hoping for overtime or lots of fouls. That should be uh, that should that always makes for a makes for a fun evening when you when we have that. So, uh, but anyway, so I'll be back then. But uh, Mark, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it, and uh, I'll uh, I'll let you guys wrap it up. Thanks, Andy. Cool. You know, thanks, Andy. And Mark, I want to be respectful of your time. I really appreciate uh, you coming on with us today. You know, the the last thing I wanted to to talk with you about is just everything that you have going on. Obviously, the Titus and Tate podcast. Yeah. You've got the new podcast with with Charlotte, uh, yeah. and then you know you're. Uh, the program that you have for walk-ons as well. I'd love for you to just tell our audience members what you have going on and how they can support some of the things that you're doing. Yeah. So the thing I'm most excited about, yeah, is I started a, a foundation club trillion foundation to uh, basically just serve walk-on walk-on athletes around the country because uh, I was a walk-on and um, you know, walk-ons know what they're getting into when they sign up for being a walk-on, but also 
the deal is kind of weird because like you, you don't get a scholarship to go to school, but you also have to like adhere to all the NCAA rules, which is kind of you're stuck in that no man's land of like <laughs> if you want to sell, I don't know, just it, if you want to make literally any money on the side, you kind of can't do it. But also you're not getting the scholarship. So um, I I started a, uh, we, we started a scholarship. It's open to all Division One basketball walk-ons. Uh, the the vision with with the foundation is um, we would just want to award scholar as many scholarships as possible. So I think like if I can get this one fully endowed, I'm going to start giving out a women's basketball one, maybe a football one. Um, I just I, I I think walk-on the walk-on experience was obviously I owe my career to it, my life to to my time at Ohio State, and um, I think uh, you know I, I have an obligation now to give back. So uh, that's it. So like. Uh, you know, like I, I, I understand we, we live in weird times, so I'm not going to ask anybody for money or anything like that. And um, we, we, we're, we're fine in that regard, but uh, I, I'm just trying to raise awareness for the thing more than anything. Cause I want, I want walk-ons to, to apply for this and know that it's out there. So um, we got to get the IU guys involved somehow. Um, but yeah, I that's do. pretty much it. That's the thing I want to plug more than anything. Cause uh, I, I, I named it the club trillion foundation and not the Mark Titus foundation. Cause I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about like the walk on, fraternity so to speak and um and, and it's cool because the, the the people that award the, the scholarship ultimately the guys that decide who's the winner it's it's all a committee of former walk-ons uh That's cool. i'm not on the committee it's all just guys from all over the country we got a guy that played for uh dean smith at north carolina in the 80s he's on the committee um he was a walk-on obviously uh we got guys that played at tiny schools that graduated a couple years ago and everything in between so um yeah, that's pretty much it. Walk-ons, uh, it's it's uh, it's it's something I, I the, the walk-on experience is something I think is awesome and and gets dismissed a lot. And I think I did some small part to help people uh, uh, kind of pull, peel the curtain back on on walk-ons as being more than just a punching bag or just a human victory cigar. So um, I'm trying to just keep that train moving and try to get some shine to some walk-on so definitely yeah and to learn more about that you can go to club trillion foundation.org club trillion foundation.org all right well your final thoughts mark on uh obviously a good day for an ohio state fan yeah uh, and maybe for the big 10 at large if Ohio State can get a number one seed but disappointing for indiana fans for sure final thoughts um i i appreciate you having me on here time and time again to uh one of these i don't want to say this out loud because i actually don't want ohio state to lose but like just for the sake of the show it'd be nice to to come because i also feel like very unprepared because like i'm watching the game just pumping my fist at how good ohio state is and then there's like five minutes left and i'm like oh crap i gotta like pay more attention to what i used to here <laughs> so i can talk to these guys um <laughs> So I appreciate that, 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 that you, you allow me to come on your program. And I, I don't think I gloat that much, but I, I don't know. I am very excited for Ohio state and I'm excited for the big 10. And I think, um, I, I my, my final thought on Indiana is this, you got to beat Purdue. This, this that, that is, that is my, you're yes. talking, you're fleshing out the schedule, Minnesota, Michigan state, Rutgers, Michigan, Purdue. That's the, those, those are the regular season games left. I, I am putting all my eggs in the Purdue basket. If I, you lose it to Purdue, I I don't care if you win the next what is it five games and if you lose at Purdue you're out of the tournament I have to say <laughs> like I want Archie to have that mindset I want him to say because when when I lost to, to Purdue at home that that to me was the worst loss of the year I was so upset as, oh, as the Indiana fan of me I he has like, yet to beat Painter you've lost to Purdue a thousand times they're mm-hmm. just as young as you guys are um, it's Purdue I mean I get Purdue's playing well ish right now but like it's just you have to win that game you have to win it you have there has to be something where you just you figure it out I don't know the channel of the Bob Knight like how much he hated Purdue I, I promised I'd, I'd mention Bob Knight at some point on the show um 
channel that and just throw the rest of the games that beat Purdue for the love of God. We have to. We have. It, it makes me sick that that it, the night came back, Jared. He came back to Bloomington. I was the there. I know. And they blew it. How do you lose that game? I. Oh. You know, honestly, that game has kind of been wiped from my memory because the whole day was kind of so emotional, and that was such like an amazing moment. I yeah. I almost forgot that it happened during the Purdue game when they were when it was the one year anniversary of it. I was like, oh my god, we played terrible that day. You cannot it, lose that game. You I mean, lose you know, I was thinking about this before the game started. Archie has been absolutely owned by Painter and Holtman. I mean, I think those two coaches more than any other have just like it. You watch the game and you feel like they just have better coaching than we do. Like they mm-hmm. seem to have a better plan. And that is hard because Painter's the coach at Purdue, which is your number one rival. And Holtman is the coach at Ohio State, who was hired the same year you are. And I think yeah. Indiana fans see that and it just, I think you know, it, it's kind I of think inexcusable. It, it's a buzzword, uh, but uh, it's, the, there's, there's truth in it. The culture, I think it, P- Purdue, the, the big difference to me between Purdue's program and Indiana's program is that you know what you're getting out of Purdue. You know what you're getting out of Matt Painter. You know, every single year, if, if Purdue gutted their roster this year and had a whole new crop next year, I would know exactly what I'm going to get when I turn on the TV and watch Purdue basketball. And, that's not to say they're like the best program in the country or not, but they know exactly what they are year in and year out. Um, the same is true of Ohio State. Like I think Chris Holtman, and that's what I kind of talked about earlier. You talk about the transitions when Holtman took over for, for Thad Mata, he, he didn't need to like reboot the culture. He was like basically taking the blueprint and plugging his own stuff in, and away we go. And I think Archie, that that's that's sort of been the story of Indiana basketball throughout the coaching changes and all that stuff is just like trying to find uh, just some no more ups and downs of trying to figure out like what kind of guys we want to recruit, what kind of system we want to run, all that kind of stuff, like settle in on something. And I, and that's, that's, that's where I guess my optimism comes from is I think Archie is close in the sense of establishing the culture, but culture does not win you basketball games. That's just like the first piece. So um, I don't know. I feel like they are close. That I guess my final thought, I, I genuinely feel like Indiana is close, but I, I am with the fan base and running out of how many times I can say that, but uh I don't know. You have to win games. You have to win games, and uh, they're just not winning enough right now. And that's if this Indiana team made the Final Four this year, I would not be shocked. Oh well, <laughs> that's a, that's a great positive note to end on, Mark. Thank you. <laughs> I stand by it. There, there's a fight. I swear to God, Jared. I, I'm not saying this because I'm like it's been a weird year for all of us, and I feel like my brain has been fried 30 different times and throughout the last calendar year. I swear to God, if Indiana made the final, they they, they can. They, there's a team in there. They need like Norman Dale, just like giving them a pep talk before the game or something. I swear to God, like the team. If Rob Finnessy scoring 18 points with no turnovers at Iowa, you get that Rob Finnessy every night. You get Trace Jackson Davis. Couldn't you do that at Iowa? Like Iowa doesn't God, play any I know, defense. I know, I know. I know <laughs> but God, they took Illinois to overtime. They had them. Oh. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. That's that's the name of the game. That's college basketball. That's why we love it. But uh, if Indiana made the Final Four, I uh, they would not be the worst team in Final Four history. Let's just put it that way. And that's all you can you can yeah. hang your head on that. So maybe there's there's some off. We got that going for us. <laughs> Happy Saturday, IU fans. <laughs> all right, Mark. Thank you for joining us, man. Always appreciate it. And uh, we will look to do this next year. Maybe yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe it'll go better then. Who knows? Thanks, man. Yep. Thanks for being here, man. All right. Uh, all right. Well, let me uh, let me close things out here. You know, my final thought for today. You know, I kind of looked at this game coming into it. You know, Indiana obviously coming off a couple of wins against Iowa and Northwestern that were big wins, and it, w- it was kind of easy to look at this game on the road against Ohio State. 
you know, kind of like you're playing with house money. You know, I heard that comment made uh, because it, you know, from the position Indiana's in right now for the NCAA tournament, it doesn't really hurt you to lose this game, right? Or the, at least that's kind of how the the narrative went. But as I thought more and more about it, you know, if you're a mediocre team with mediocre goals, then you view a game like this as playing with house money. But if you're a program that's hell bent on getting back to the top of the Big Ten and, and contending with the best Big Ten teams, then you look at this as kind of an opportunity that you've got to have to go and compete with the top team, get yourself above 500, not be satisfied with what you've done, but kind of see what you've done as digging yourself a hole that you've got to start to dig out of. And so it seemed like a big opportunity. And I thought, I didn't think Indiana was going to win, but I thought they were going to play well. And obviously we saw what happened. They basically were not competitive. And, you know, it's disappointing because you had a chance there to take a step forward and say, we're seven and six. We beat Ohio State. We've won three in a row. We're going to be a factor here down the stretch. Instead, Indiana meekly stepped back. They kind of acted like they were playing with house money, not the sense of urgency you need, not, you know, kind of the, the, the toughness, you know, mentally that you need. And now we're back to six and seven, and we are what we are right now, which is a mediocre team in a really good conference that is fighting for its NCAA tournament life. And we may still make the tournament. Seems like about a 50-50 proposition right now. But the standard for this season was to be a factor in the Big Ten race down the stretch and make the tournament easily and be a team that, you know, you kind of thought, hey, they've got a good chance to make the second weekend of the tournament, and we're not that right now. So, you know, as happy as I was that we beat Iowa and as happy as I was that, that we beat Northwestern, and I do think that we should try to give the team credit when they win and enjoy those moments when when they win, they didn't take the step forward today that I was hoping to see. And the razor's edge that they played on against Northwestern, you know, that kind of seems like what this team is, a team that, you know, needs overtime to beat Northwestern and Penn State and can't compete with the top teams in the conference right now. And that's just the reality of it. And I guess there's still some time down the stretch to turn that around. Fortunately, our next two games are at home against Minnesota, at home against Michigan State, two teams that are kind of what we are, uh, which should give us a chance to win. I think we need, we we can and should win both of those games. It'll put us in a, a much better position for the NCAA tournament. But I'm just disappointed. You know, it was an opportunity for Indiana to show that they're more than what we've come to believe that they are based on what they've shown us, and they didn't. And it is what it is uh, at this point. So hopefully they have they have some more good basketball left in them uh, down the stretch. But they certainly didn't show us to it tonight, and hopefully they will again on Wednesday. All right, that'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Mark Titus, as well as to longtime listener Bob Thompson, who produces a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk with you Wednesday night after IU Minnesota. Until then. Take it from me, native Hoosier Mark Titus. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. I don't like carrots. (sighs) All right, well, thanks, everybody, for being here. Uh, It was really nice today to be able to get the Facebook feed going again, have YouTube up and running, Periscope. Um, If you're you're just... uh, if you're just tuning in, you wouldn't be just tuning in now. You've stayed with us till the end. Um, but if you didn't notice, you know, la- last couple of seasons, we've had a Facebook live feed and a Periscope feed along with a YouTube feed for the live show. And we had to get rid of a couple of those because it was just kind of cost prohibitive to do all of that. But I found a new uh, program to stream on called StreamYard. And so we've got those back now. 
Now, I will always direct you to YouTube because that's where the chat mob is. That's where there's you know the good conversation goes. I think that's where most of our most loyal uh, viewers go. But if it's easier for you to watch live on Facebook and Periscope, you can now watch there. So just wanted to uh, let you know that. And the only other thing that I want to give you guys a heads up on is, you know, just, you know, I, obviously I haven't been around as much this season, um, just, you know, stuff going on at home and it's been kind of a crazy year, good stuff. Um, but it's just, it's, it's limited my availability. Uh, our, our second child is on the way over the next couple of weeks. Not exactly sure when it's going to happen, probably the last week in, uh, in February. Um, but, that will certainly probably take me out of the mix for a little while. And there may be some, you know, usually I try to get the, even when I'm not around for the show, I try to get the, uh, the podcast posted as soon as possible afterwards, the audio of it. There might be some games coming up this season where that doesn't happen right away. So if you're kind of used to, you know, listening to this on the podcast and used to it coming up about an hour after the game ends, or I guess a couple hours after the game ends, because it's usually about an hour after the show ends, that may change. But just know we broadcast the show live. You can always catch the replay right away at YouTube. And if we're doing live streams on Facebook and if we're doing live streams on Periscope, you'll always be able to catch it there. So again, if you're listening to the podcast and the podcast stream is how you normally listen, if it's delayed you know, a few hours or even until the next day, you can always go get us on YouTube and find it there because the replay is always posted there. So I just wanted to give you that heads up. Um, you know, we're we're gonna try and keep things, uh, you know, moving along at the same pace that we always do, and not have to, you know, do like we did for the Iowa game and do the show the day later. But it may get a little crazy because if I'm out and then coach, you know, we're all rooting for Western High School to have a big run in the state tournament, and Andy's obviously got his, um, you know, his, his obligations with his daughter's teams, and we we're very much a family first operation around here, so that stuff will always come first. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna try our best to keep on the exact same schedule. Um, but just ask for your patience and understanding a little bit. If we have to miss that, uh, just know it'll only happen in the most dire of circumstances, I promise. Um, so but I'm, I'm sure you knew that already. All right. Well, thanks for being here. We will talk to you guys Wednesday night after IU Minnesota. Hopefully it's a, a much more positive performance to, uh, to discuss. See y'all later. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.